question I'm going to come back to over and over in our time together today. What do you believe? When you were small, you played make-believe, right? And when you were a child, there were things that you believed in that now that you're almost adults, you don't believe in them anymore. And I don't have to go into details just to bring up old wounds, but uh, maybe you believed in certain things. And, and we talk a lot about, hey, believe in yourself, or you got to believe in something bigger than yourself. And I just want you to hear me say that what you believe matters. It matters a lot. Show of hands, who ever goes to big church, sits in big church up there in that big building? Our senior pastor is a guy named Perry Duggar, and he talks a lot about, hey, what, what you believe is going to inform your actions. And so I called Pastor Perry this week and was like, hey, we're talking about belief. I want to quote you accurately. And this is what he actually said to me. What you believe controls what you do. What you believe controls what you do. You will always act out of your beliefs. And I'm going to tell you one of my pet peeves is when people do something and then they go, that's not me. or That's not like me. And the reality is in that moment, that was you. In that moment, you believed it was okay for you to do whatever it is you were doing. Does anybody know who this is? This is Urban Meyer. Okay. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get current events going for a minute here. Urban Meyer, for those of you who don't know, uh, is currently the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL. He was wildly successful in college football at multiple different places, won national championships. Urban Meyer, in the last week, had a little bit of an incident. Yeah, he, he went out, and because it's 2021, if you're famous and you're out somewhere, people have phones and they have cameras on those phones, and Urban Meyer, there's a less than flattering video out there of him with a young lady that's not his wife. I'm going to leave it there. He got busted, and he came back, and this is his apology press conference. You can see from his, just the way his body is positioned, I'm telling you, if you go watch it, he looks like this the whole time. He, he hardly ever looks up. Kind of, kind of mumbles through his apology like this. That's how y'all do when you get caught with something by a parent or a teacher or a coach. You just kind of look down, you mumble. And he goes through it and he talks about it. he's sorry. And he says, that's not me. And I go, actually it is. That is you. You made that decision because you believed it was okay for you to do it. You believed maybe you wouldn't get caught. You believed that this was not a big deal. Your beliefs do control your actions. And maybe for just a moment you have a lapse in believing something good or true and you take a step that's not something you're proud of. And I'm just telling you, in 2021, somebody's always watching. Most of the time they'll have a camera phone in their pocket, so beware. But your beliefs really, really matter. And so if you've got one of our handouts tonight, you see I've got five blanks. And I'm going to ask you to consider five questions tonight about your beliefs. If you've got Bibles, you can turn or scroll to John 14. This is week three of our series, Upper Room. We're examining what Jesus had to say to his disciples in the upper room right before he was arrested and crucified. 
And at the beginning of John 14, just to go back, at this point now, Judas Iscariot has left. He's gone. He's not in the room anymore. So now it's just Jesus and these 11 men. And Jesus is going to say a lot of different things to them as we go through it tonight. I'm going to read a little bit, unpack a little bit, and we'll kind of piecemeal our way through it. John 14, 1 says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. My first question for you to consider tonight is this. Do I believe I can truly trust God? Do I believe I can truly trust God? If you want to save space, you can write, do I believe, right at the top of your paper, because every one of your questions tonight will start with that. Do I believe I can truly trust God? Jesus says, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. But we live in a world full of troubles. And so it's easy for someone to say, hey, hey, don't, don't get bent out of shape. You can trust me. But all of us have been in a position where someone said, hey, trust me. And they didn't come through. They weren't trustworthy. They let you down. So I'm asking, do you really think that you can trust God? And it's easy to sit here and say, well, yeah, of course I believe I can trust God. We're sitting in church together. That's, of course, the church answer. But when you truly are going to trust God, it means that you're going to change the way that you live. Because what Jesus calls us to is going to be out of step with what the world is doing. And if you truly trust him, you're going to go his way. And it doesn't mean that things won't be hard. He doesn't promise to remove the troubles. He just says, don't let your hearts be troubled. So when you go through troubles, will you trust God? Do you believe that he is trustworthy? I don't know about you, but honesty is a huge deal to me. If you lie to me and I found out that you've lied to me, it's very difficult for me to come back and be like, you know what, we're good. Do you really think you can trust God? The Bible talks about trust even in the Old Testament. These are verses that uh, are especially meaningful to me. We, we picked out life verses for both of our boys when they were born, and, and these are the life verses for my son Judah. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, this is from the NIV. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. It's easy to trust God a little bit. It can be very difficult to trust him completely. To not just depend on your own reasoning, your own intelligence, your own resources, your own ways. But to trust God to make your path straight. Do you really think that you can trust God? Let's keep reading. John 14, verses 2 and 3. Jesus says, there's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Question number two for you tonight is, do I believe Jesus wants to be with me forever? Do I believe Jesus wants to be with me Forever. And I underlined me. That's on purpose. Because I want to make this point to you. And as you stop writing, I want everybody in this room to look right here at me. From the oldest adult leader to the youngest freshman in high school. Please everybody look right here at me. I am not asking you to consider this question broadly. Well, of course God wants to be with some people. I'm asking you, do you believe that God wants to be with you? 
Do you think he could really want you, despite all the things you've done, despite the sin you're currently living in, despite the stuff you're going to go home and probably do wrong later tonight, do you believe God really wants to be with you, not the person beside you, not your mom or your dad or that perfect person that you know, you? Because I think most of us, we get to this place where we go, I've just done too much wrong. God probably doesn't want me. He wants like pastors on a stage or worship leaders or like the good Christian kids. And I'm telling you, he wants you. John 3.16, you've heard of it, right? How does it go? Give it to me. For God so loved the world, gave his one and only son. Boy, I'm a little concerned how lackluster that that accounting of John 3.16 went. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, not whoever's perfect, not whoever gets it all right, not who goes on all the church trips, not who has a perfect crave attendance, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe that that could include you? Do you think God wants you? Do you think he wants to be with you forever? I want you to look at this. This is theologically rich, and I promise you if you go and do some research on these verses, you'll find a library's worth of information in Romans 8. Verses 29 and 30, it says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Please do not miss that in this passage, it is not incumbent upon you to get to God. All of the action in this passage is on him. He knew them and he chose them and he called them and he sanctified them. God's doing the work. Do you believe that he could choose you, that he would love you, that he would want to be with you forever? Jesus says there's plenty of room. Like we're not going to run out of space. There's room for you. Do you believe that? And so when Jesus says this, uh, you'll be with me where I am always. If you're reading your Bible, the disciples are confused as they often were. And they're like, Jesus, we have no idea where you're going, much less how to get there. Like what even is the way? And then we come to arguably the most famous verse from this passage. I even put it on your handouts tonight. John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. We just sang about it. You've probably heard it. Maybe you've seen some cool like worship leaders with that tattoo. I don't know. This is a very popular verse. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So my question for you is, do I believe Jesus is the only way to be saved? Do I believe Jesus is the only way to be saved? Now hear me. This, this could have gone two different ways, and I chose a specific path. I could have taken this time to talk about other world religions, other belief systems, other worldviews, and that's fascinating, and it's interesting, and 100% we could go there some other time. But I'm not talking about that. I'm asking you, do you believe that Jesus is really the only way to be saved, not your best efforts, not your righteousness, not how good you can be, do you believe that Jesus and what he did is the only way to be saved? 
Because I think a lot of us would say yes, but we live like, if I just do enough good, or if I do a little bit more good than bad, in the end, the cosmic scales will balance and I'll make it into heaven. That's not how it works. Jesus and what he has done is the only way to be saved. Remember, we're sitting here in the upper room, but within hours of this, Jesus will be arrested. He will be beaten. He will be crucified. He will willingly sacrifice his life. No one could have taken it from him. He says, I could call on thousands of angels to stop what's happening, but I choose this. I will die and rise again so that my followers can experience true life. Not just the 11 people in that room, but for you and for me. You cannot be good enough to earn heaven. You can't do it. The Bible says that your best attempts at righteousness are like filthy rags. Now, if you really want to have some fun doing some biblical research, go look that up. Maybe not on your school computer. Yeah, it's like that. Your best attempt ain't going to cut it. Jesus is the only way to be saved. In fact, Luke, who was not in this upper room, Luke, who was not one of these 11 people, says it this way, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, and that includes yours. Kevin Nunnery, as good as he is at a lot of things, cannot save Kevin Nunnery, and neither can you save yourself. Now, we skipped out a little bit further for sake of time as, as we're getting through John 14. I want you to see John 14, 12, Jesus starts describing what it's going to be like for the disciples. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes, there's that word again, believes in me, will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Look at this before I ask you this question. Look at this audacious statement from Jesus. Anyone who believes in him will do the same things he's done and even greater things. So question four, do I believe I can do greater things than Jesus? Do I believe I can do greater things than Jesus? This is not a trap question. You're like, oh, he's trying to set us up about pride. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Jesus said, anyone who believes in me will do the same things I have done, and in fact, even greater things. So anybody walked on water lately? Yeah. Any, anybody command the storm? Like, did someone finally pray all the rain away this week? Is that what happened? Tomorrow? Okay, wonderful. Anybody heal the sick or raise the dead? Because those are the types of things Jesus did. And he says you can do the same things and even greater things. Does anybody know what a self-fulfilling prophecy is? Self-fulfilling prophecy would be like this. If I tell myself tomorrow's going to be awful, like it's going to be the worst day of my life, it's going to just absolutely stink. And I tell myself that over and over and over and over. I go to sleep thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it. Some of you, this is how you do. And then you know what's probably going to happen tomorrow? It's going to be the worst day because you're going to have the worst outlook. You're going to have the worst mentality. You're going to just look for everything to be against you and wrong. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think sometimes we don't see more miracles happen. And I'm not trying to go full-blown charismatic on you, but I am trying to tell you, I think sometimes God wants to do miraculous things in our midst, in and through us, but we just don't believe it can happen. Whether we think we're not good enough or God couldn't choose us or like he just doesn't move that way anymore, I'm just telling you, I think he does. But it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, God's not going to do anything great in my life. 
If you know him, that's pretty great. And yes, for the record, I do believe he wants you to do powerful things. I believe God can heal people miraculously. But sometimes we don't pray because, oh, but like, what if it doesn't happen? God said he'll do great things in you. Like, do you trust him? It goes back to that first question. Paul puts it this way, Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. Some of us just need to speak that over ourselves over and over again. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus, not for our sake, don't miss that, but so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has a plan for your life. If I came and asked you your favorite Bible verse, probably a lot of you would say Jeremiah 29, right? Verse 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And while I do think we misappropriate that verse a lot of times, I do believe God has a plan for your life. And I do believe he knows everything that's going to happen in your life in advance. And I believe he wants to do big things in you. But some of us are so scared and so timid and we shrink back from that. What great thing does God want to do in your life? But you're just not believing it can happen. But he's been planning it since before you were born. I don't know. We finish up John 14, 13, and 14. Jesus says, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Your final question, do I believe I can ask God for anything? Do I believe I can ask God for anything? Now hear me, your heart matters in this. You can't sit here and pray as we get ready to close in just a minute and be like, God, please let there be a brand new sports car in the parking lot for me. And you walk out there and it doesn't exist. You're like, well, God's not real or he hates me. I don't know what it is. That's not what's happening here. We pray for things in line with God's will. We don't pray selfishly. We don't pray for necessarily our material gain. We pray that God would be glorified. And if you pray for that, I believe that's a prayer God will always answer yes. That when you pray and when you truly seek God with the right heart, with the right motives, he will do incredible things. Jesus says this back in the Sermon on the Mount. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Hey, maybe it's possible. Like You're just at the point of giving up because you don't think anything's actually going to happen. And so again, I just ask you, do you really believe you can ask God for anything? Do you believe he loves you? Do you believe he wants to do wonderful things in your life? I want to share with you at the close today, as I invite the band to come on back up, our memory verse. This is from John 17. We'll get there eventually in a couple weeks. This is Jesus' prayer towards the end of this passage. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And so I've asked you these questions tonight because I think these are things that matter. And maybe one of them resonated more with you than another, maybe two, maybe all five. I don't know. But I ask you these five questions because I think they make a tremendous difference and how we approach life. And I, always, I ask questions like this. I've told you this before. Not because I'm not trying to come and tell you. I'm not trying to like hammer you over the head with what I think. I want you to pray and I want you to ask these questions. And I want you to think about these things. Do you believe? And at the root of all this, we, we talk about being Christians or born again or saved. And another term we use is believer. And it's a good term, it's not bad, but I would tell you this, everybody believes in something. Even people who say, there's no God, I'm an agnostic, I'm atheist, that's a tremendous statement of faith on their part. Everybody believes in something. Are you a believer in the fact that Jesus loves you, he sacrificed his life for you, 
He rose from the dead, and one day he will return for his sons and daughters. And we can be with him forever, as he said in this passage. If that's true for you, you're a believer, that's incredible. I'm praying for you. Keep going. I know it's hard. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. If you're not a believer in that way, I just want to encourage you to ask some questions. Questions are good. Please never leave from Brookwood. Please never leave from our high school ministry thinking that questions are bad. Questions are wonderful. That's why I ask so many. Ask questions tonight. Talk to your small group leader. Come grab me. We'd love to pray with you and answer any questions that we can about Jesus, the Bible, faith, life, death, the afterlife, any of that. Let me pray for us. Uh, And this will be a good time to reflect as the band plays, and then we'll get ready to go to small groups after that. God, thank you that we get to be in your house. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for the things that you spoke to those 11 men in that upper room all those years ago and for the application in our lives today. Thank you that you are trustworthy. Thank you, God, that we can come to you when our hearts, in fact, are troubled. Thank you that you see us. Thank you that you want to be with us forever. Thank you for giving your life that we may be saved. Thank you that you call us to great things. Thank you for listening when we speak to you and ask things of you. And God, my prayer just in these next few minutes as we sing, as we reflect, is that your Holy Spirit would move in powerful ways. We love you. We make this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus.